Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on the show today, I've got Tom Foxley. Tom is the host of the Alpha Movement Podcast, and he's better known for, he works on functional athletes, inner athlete, to give them, to make them into the champ's mindset. So welcome onto the show, Tom. Thank you very much, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we delve into, obviously, the deeper topics of uh, CrossFit and the mindset, can you talk us through how you got into your fitness journey in the first place and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I was, I was a really active kid. Um, I played a lot of football. I um, I played a little cricket, like anything that I could kind of compete at, I did. Um, and when I was about, what was I, 14, um, all of a sudden I um, I was cycling back from, from school and all of a sudden my heart just went fucking crazy. Um, and I was, it was literally like 250 beats per minute, which I was sitting there like, mm, this probably isn't good. Um, so I spent some time, um, so I pulled over on the side of the road and at that point, um, my heart just stopped. I was like, hmm, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't great. I know, I know a bit about anatomy and I know my heart not beating isn't great. Um, and all of a sudden, then it just came back to life. And I was like, fuck, that was weird. That was, that was really weird. Um, so long story short, very long story short, it took months of, of uh, tests at hospitals. And they were worried I had this thing called Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome, which is better known as Sudden Death Syndrome, which is from the sounds of it obviously isn't great. So um, I wasn't allowed to train for for months. It was almost a year actually. And in that process, I kind of I lost complete confidence in my training. I lost the ability to push hard. I naturally held back because. I felt safe there and like obviously with heart condition doctors have said previously they said I was fine now but it's like um your previous is like we don't need to do anything because there's a chance you might die um from that to again cut even longer story short I ended up completely flipping everything on its head and going you know what I'm gonna do this now I'm gonna I'm gonna actually commit to what I'm doing um and I kind of surpassed a lot of limiting beliefs and came out the other side um, as a Royal Marines commando, as a um, personal trainer. I, uh, I've accumulated now 10,000 hours of CrossFit coaching and I saw the biggest, the biggest loophole and the, and the lowest hanging fruit, I, I probably think is the best way to put it, is um, for most functional athletes and CrossFit athletes is their mindset. We, we know almost everything we need to know to get fantastic results with 99.999% of our athletes or our clients yet we don't and there's a massive hole there and it's not because of nutrition it's not because of recovery and it's certainly not because of training or a lack of knowledge it's lack of implementation so I basically help athletes push hard I help them do it consistently and I help them identify what their inner athlete is saying to them and then change it to be more positive Okay, that's quite interesting as to how you've kind of flowed from your personal circumstances. And obviously, that's a massive mindset to overcome. Obviously, well, it's life and death situation virtually. 
to kind of taking it by the the balls by the horns and saying, well, I'm not going to let this situation kind of dictate my life over the longer, longer, longer run. Yeah, I, I wish I could say it was that simple. That I just like, yep, I've done this, and like, there was a definitive moment where it changed, but it was accumulative. There's, if there's one thing that I was going to say, um, completely changed it or added added more to that um, that change than anything else, it would be it'd be a teacher gave me a book or gave me an excerpt from the book, which I later went on to get, which was called Bounce by Matthew Said, and in that book he talks about ten thousand hour rule. The very short um, synopsis of it is that in order to be a world-leading expert at something, you don't need to be gifted. You don't need to be talented. You need to work really fucking hard at it and come out the other side having pushed of 10,000 hours of dedicated purposeful practice. And that kind of triggered in me the fact that um, I can be anything I want to be. I can't be everything, but I can be anything I want to be. But I think... When you look at talent and talented individuals, I think some of them, and I won't generalize here, at sometimes they less they rest on their laurels and just get by with that alone. And I think the ones that do progress higher up, they have that probably work ethic to go alongside it as you you can't kinda of, you can talent is only gonna get you so far and it, and the old the old saying is, if you've got something that works harder than you, they're gonna probably get yeah exactly get there faster. Exactly, I think talent only gets you a very small percentage of the way. Um, from there, you need you need hard work, and it's, it's as simple as that. And then, if we delve into your your podcast, and obviously, I've seen that you've had a shift now with the new series, and it's definitely more emphasis on the on the mental side of things. Why why have you kind of had that shift? From what is what I always really wanted to do. It was, um, I, to be honest, I never felt fully confident in, in coaching mindset until I realized that I was actually really fucking good at it. Um, I, like, I, I've seen other mindset coaches work and I've seen them work with functional athletes and I was like, oh shit, this, this really isn't good for the community. Like CrossFit is, um, no matter what you think of it, it's done incredible things for the community. Of, of strength conditioning and sports. Um, but the mindset side of it is really backwards. And there's a lot of people just saying, just push harder, just push harder, just push harder without understanding the mechanisms behind it and what actually creates it. So I wanted to show people that not only um, do I like, is, is this something that I provide, but more importantly, that it's a learn, learnable skill and it's learnable and earnable. And if we start looking at mindset like that, rather than a God-given right, then we then we start to develop our athletes. And I think that's the thing that limits a lot of not only the top 0.1%, who ironically have the least to gain and the least to lose, um, but the 99.9% who have the most to gain and the most to lose. We're not all elite level athletes and mindset is scalable or the system I have is scalable anyway. Um, so that's why I've shifted towards it. But in terms of the, the mental aspect, I think everybody can, learn, like you say, everybody can learn from it. I think even at the top, it's the difference between winning and losing is that it's kind of upstairs, but to kind of get to my point there, um, I think it's kind of breaking it down a little bit 
to the like layman terms of it. If we look at nutrition and fitness as the example, it's, it's probably teaching people to change their habits and their behaviors. And that's what virtually what mindset is. And people are probably more focused in this day and age with obviously fad diets, obviously, uh, well, we'll use Atkins as, the, as an example, or go on Atkins for six to eight weeks, I lose the weight, go back to what I was doing originally, put the weight back on, or oh, it was the diet was at fault. Whereas if you looked at the root cause as to um, why you've got those beliefs in the first place and that like, really delved down to the the bigger extent of okay why do you want to lose weight and kind of go like breaking down the whys okay that's your root cause that is why you're going kind of having those habits and behaviors and if we can kind of help you with with solving that root cause you're kind of having a domino effect yeah yeah you're 100% right and if we we dig through enough whys we eventually become to a who um or come to a who sorry and the idea of who you want to be not in eight weeks or 12 weeks but in two or three years is much more emotionally attachable and emotionally powerful than eight weeks because eight weeks is a short fix we know know that we can do it for eight weeks and go back to it um the side like one of the things that proves an addict is someone who like let's take smoking for example someone someone who's addicted to smoking will give up smoking for two weeks two weeks to prove that they can do it um we start to compare like the, the parallels with that to um to whether it's athleticism or just health and nutrition is, is key but like who do you want to be in two three years time that's the big question the like that's when we start to make huge change because the change we like that we think we can achieve incredible amounts in two years, but we can't, um, sorry, in two months or yeah, two weeks, but we can't. When we start to look at two to three years, we hugely underestimate what we can achieve. Like think back to what you personally have achieved over the last two, three years and without like potentially without much direction, without knowing the exact, this is where I want to go. Things might've changed radically and you start to put like a, a vision of who you want to be, something that's emotionally defined, something that's emotionally attachable in front of you for a two to three year vision. And then you start to take consistent action. And all of a sudden consistency doesn't become a problem because you've got something big and you stop sweating the small stuff because you realize that one week out of two, three years is fuck all. And you can keep on taking those, those, those steps because even if it's a month out of two, three years, you can still make huge steps and you start to like take progress and you, the, the highs get, like consistently higher and the lows get shallower and you start to just gradually creep up and like because also on the other side of things two three years isn't actually that long in our life it's not it's like a nice time to to invest in something so if you can't like the the first thing i do with my athletes is get them to really understand who they want to be self-knowledge is the foundation of everything i do with people finding out more about who you want to be, who you are, your limitations, your triggers, um, your motivation issues, like how much you need to tolerate intensity. And it's all about understanding yourself. And that starts with understanding who you want to be in two, three. It's not what, not how much you want to be able to lift or how much body fat percentage, because we're not driven by data and numbers and quantifiable smart goals. We're driven by passion and feeling and emotion and who we want to be. And do you, do you find that in your community, 
people are not, I wouldn't say obsessed with what other, the other people perceive of them, but do you think social media and the like have a bearing on how people perceive themselves? Significance is a huge factor in, in everyone's life, um, especially in the fitness industry. Um, we learn or the average Joe learns from personal trainers and coaches and personal trainers and coaches are found a ridiculous number. This was me like case in point got into coaching and personal training because of significance issues. I wanted to feel more significant. I wanted to feel like a better athlete. I wanted to prove to people that I, I was important and I deserved their attention which is significance. So yeah, like significance is, is a huge defining factor in why people do things they do. But do you think it's more a problem in this day and age than say, if we go back even, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago where stuff wasn't as readily available? Yeah, with the advent of social media, it's easy to it's easy to see um, the flashy. And due to Facebook algorithms and social media algorithms and the internet and the way your the way your attention is exchanged for money, then yeah, of course we we see the flashy like tw- again. It's like see the flashy short term thing. Um, like you see a, a big a video that went around the CrossFit community recently was someone doing a muscle up with a bottle balance on their head, and it's like, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> like like seriously how is that like especially if you call yourself a crossfitter and you're doing like the whole point of crossfit is to prepare yourself for the unknown and the unknowable like where does where does doing a muscle up with a bottle on your head come into that like i'd rather be getting stronger i'd rather be doing some squats i'd rather be doing some power cleans i'd rather be dialing my nutrition i'd rather be hydrating properly or spending time investing in supplements or or something like that it's um we see the short term with social media and we attach ourselves to it because it makes us feel more significant as you as you rightly said but then would you say would that person be doing that video because like we've said just then they want to become more significant and thus by doing something well you could probably say idiotic to a certain extent is possibly going to go more viral than say giving something that's more informative yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And like, and this comes back down to that thing I alluded to about the athletes. When he starts looking at coaches, who do you want to be? Like, I don't. If you want to be the type of person who does muscle ups with bottles balance on your head and like gets a million YouTube video, um, like Instagram hits or or something or a followers or like or monetizes you that way or or sells out some MLM type strategy, then fine. Like that's your choice. I'm. I know one say that you're wrong. You might be right. But I know for me, like I want to help people grow into better athletes and I want to help them develop. And it's a more, it's, it's just more rewarding. That's what, that's what it is. Like you actually help people rather than like, as you, as like, I've, I've seen your posts and they're great. Like you actually put out helpful information and people can take that and apply it to their lives. And yes, it might not be a muscle up with a bottle on your head um, and it might not go viral quite as quickly, but like, it's, it's much more satisfying to help people. Well, I think it's going back to the, the root cause there, Tom, is, is probably teaching the trainers. I think you've probably been there because you put it out in post as well of where you were as a trainer. You probably think, oh, 
you need to make this income to make revenue and such and such when you like early doors when you start off but I think when you kind of delve deeper and look back to why was the why did you actually get into the profession in the first place it comes back to that point you just raised it's helping as many people as you can and, and I think especially with online training you've got a larger pool of people that you can obviously engage with thus and thus possibly help in one way or another so you it's kind of going back to that root cause and, and it would probably be the same with any health professional it is to help people it's it's okay that is our living but you shouldn't be doing it only solely for the the, the monetary aspect of it it's helping people and, and getting satisfaction from that as well yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be successful financially. I don't think there's anything um, wrong with wanting to do well. Like for me, doing well means I can live the life I want to live with my girlfriend. And like, and say so that there's nothing evil about money. And I'll, I'll put it straight out there. I want to make enough money to live as comfortably as I want to live. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Um, so I think that it's, it's always a balance. The, the more time I spend looking at why people do the things they do it always comes down to finding balance in their life and uh, finding balance between health, wealth, love and happiness, those four pillars of life. And if we, we get that right, then everything just takes on another step. And then I've seen a video, oh gosh, when this would have been, I'm going to say a couple of weeks ago, or possibly a bit longer than that. I don't know if you've heard of the trainer, uh, Steve Cook. No, I haven't. Uh, he did a video with, well, he's a body bodybuilder and, well, he was, and he's obviously, to improve himself, he's gone into uh, Olympic lifting, CrossFit, and things like that to get kind of an all-round ba- balance, really, and kind of learn from the different sports and bring back to the training. But what he was saying in one of his videos was uh, bodybuilding can learn from CrossFit and CrossFit can learn from bodybuilding. What's your take on that? It's 100% right. I think anyone who's so dogmatic, they refuse to look outside of their discipline to learn. They're missing. They're not only missing out on performance, but they're idiots. Like it's, it's the long and short of it is if there's, like you look at anything, like, and it's equally bad the other way around. You look at CrossFit as not looking at bodybuilders to learn. And like these guys have been training and they've got, like if you don't think, big muscles are good for anything like well, you're stupid because they obviously are like there's a reason muscles grow when you give them stress um there's a reason why like look at the way they've learned to move they've learned to create tension and torque in this in the body and like and crosses get injured the whole time like do you not see the balance for those and it's yeah it is equally as bad like it's, it's very easy to bash on crossfit especially with some of the videos around um but if you if you look at the athletes at the top of the game who would have thought even 10 years ago that there'd be people alive who could deadlift three times their body weight, run a mile in less than five minutes. And obviously Fran wasn't around that time, but uh, let's, let's use row and then hit a, a sub 632 K row. Like who would have thought that was possible? And now it's a staple of everyone who gets in the CrossFit games. And it's the same with endurance athletes. Let's start looking at endurance athletes and like, if you start look, if you stop looking for new perspectives and you stop looking for new knowledge, then you're limiting yourself as an athlete and probably as a coach if you're a coach. 
definitely as a coach those are the worst people the coaches who just stick in the discipline though I'm, I'm getting on a rant here but i can't <laughs> stand people who just like this is my discipline i'm right i'm forward focused i'm like i'm in refusing to learn from from other people they're they are what some of the people that are holding like it's not even they're holding back their businesses they're holding back the lives of their athletes and their and their clients or whatever they want to call them um, and that's the tragedy there. The fact that they're stopping people from being, from living a happier life by not looking at other people. But I think like you were saying with uh, development, even with what, well, from a coping co- coaching perspective, you don't have to even delve into the full discipline. You just take pick and choose different aspects of uh, what you enjoy. So it's like virtually going to the supermarkets, picking off the shelf, what you enjoy and kind of, uh, collaborating all that together and that becomes your kind of coaching philosophy and how you operate yeah you're 100 right you just that's that's how people learn that's how they always have done and if you uh, I, I had julian pinot on a live stream the other day and if you don't know who he is i think he's a really good person to follow but we're discussing almost exactly the same thing as soon as you you like people learn from experiences and if you're especially the people who are just learning from a couple of books and then okay starting strength this is my philosophy to to learn from and then they stick with that their whole entire career there's there's something backwards there like starting strength was one of the first training books i read and it's like yeah this is the way i'm doing things because that was the best information i had but it was never enough i was always curious enough and good coaches are always curious enough to go okay here's something that opposes my view and there's millions of people who believe it. There must be something to it. And like you even look at, at like in let's say nutrition, veganism, you look at it as it is. And some people might go, Oh, but I like eating meat. I'm, I'm this type of person. Like, I, I personally like eating meat, but you see the very, very healthy aspects of it because they're eating a bunch of vegetables and they're, they're like, <laughs> and you, you take that and you go, this is how I can apply this small section to my life and make myself a better athlete. It's, it's not really complex. It's, it's identifying the biggest returns you can get from the smallest investment. That's what, that's what life is. And that's what, that's what coaching is. But I think in terms of nutrition, I think that is a massive one. That's, you could probably even say changes day to day as in, it's always something ongoing at same, same fitness. You've got to always, they're on top of knowledge. It's probably more so easier this day and age because you've got the likes of Facebook. Twitter's probably even easier because you can follow the person and when they put out new posts in relation to be it research, um, an article, and it's kind of peer-reviewed to a certain extent. So you'll kind of, if it's not uh, up to standard, it'll get bashed by somebody like that and you can say, well, okay, that's their take on it and you can kind of um, review it yourself and kind of say, well, okay, I don't kind of, I don't agree 100% with that argument and you could have a discussion with them whereas, well, I can't think how old Twitter is. You go back 20 years, you'd have to probably email that person, would you? And, and so on. It's a lot easier to kind of get a response with somebody that you would probably probably say idolize but is a more significant in their field yeah yeah i think the important thing to take from that is that 
yes, the the minutiae changes, the small ch- the 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 small adjustments we can make to our nutrition and the small adjustments we can make to our training will always be up for grabs and will always be argued. But the principles never change. The fact is that you should lift some heavy stuff. You should get out of breath. You should work all three energy systems or, or you work across that spectrum. Um, in nutrition, you should just eat some real food and get a decent amount of protein and eat a bunch of vegetables and put some carbohydrates around your training. Like whether you're looking at ketosis or um, whether you're looking at Atkins, which is two very similar, or you're looking at veganism or you're looking at any other kind of thing, the principles remain the same pretty much with the exclusion of meat and veganism. But like, it's just eat some more real food, which most people could get a lot from. And you look at, and that's by the way, what most people want. They don't want to be, like they they don't want to go from ninety five percent to one hundred percent. They want to simply get to eighty percent, and they want to sit there and feel very happy, and they'll live their life very happily. And the same applies with training. Like yes, we can look at um, maybe whether we should spend one like one rep more in in this way, or whether we should. Um, or, or whether we should squat three or four times a week or whether we should deadlift or, or do this. But the principles ne- never really change. It's lift some heavy shit and get out of breath. Like it's, that is it. You, the, the key thing is you look back at what we're doing 150,000 years ago and you do that because that's what we're evolved to do. And it's, it doesn't have to be complex. The principles never change. But in terms of we come back a little bit there, Tom, why do you think that CrossFitters have so many problems with injuries because they don't like on a on a very very um kind of in-depth subject they don't understand how to create torque and stability within their joints um they will be people like this is where people really learn from bodybuilding functional bodybuilding is is going to be huge in the next few years because it's in the crossfit world because it's going to fix people's injuries we do in the CrossFit world, I'm including myself, we do so much work with a pronated grip. Um, we do so much work in our external torque chain. So um, very explosive movements involving glute meads, traps, lats. Like you look at female CrossFitters with massive traps and that's just because they spend so much time in their external torque chain. We spend very little time in our internal torque chain. Stuff that is um, strong man dependent. So carries, holds, gymnastic stuff like that tucking in um that involves time under tension um like you look at the pec tears at the regionals time under tension like no one spends much time just isolating their pecs no one does like cable flyers or anything um even though it's something that bodybuilders have done for years um and then they expect to go into a workout of a ridiculous numbers of kipping ring dips and where that there's no tension followed by full tension and no maximum contraction and they expect to be fine. That's in a, in a nutshell why I think there's so many injuries. And then yes, you've got all sorts of things like stupid people doing stupid things, but you're always going to get that in any industry at the moment. The biggest thing in CrossFit is, um, is, is looking at torque chains and are you, are you applying the correct torque chain to the correct movement? And, um, I'm, just a disciple of the guy that's doing it and um, to call it to refer to him as jesus is probably a bit too much but um, <laughs> um but but julian pano um and richard Acevas at strong fit they are doing really really important work on this at the moment and like if anyone's interested by not in injury prevention but maximizing human performance those are the guys to be following right now okay that's that's fair. i think i think with any sports 
you've got that obviously that risk of injury. But like you said, if people are not doing what is probably essential, really, is, is prehab and things like that, mm-hmm. injury prevention, you're not doing everything you can to stop yourself getting injured. It's kind of being a little bit haphazard and you, you kind of, where you're going down a slippery slope because you're not willing to, I won't say you're not willing, but you aren't doing the steps that are not that difficult to implement, really. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you just look at the tools we're using as well in, in CrossFit and also bodybuilding as well. Like, there's, there's nothing that's outside this remit, like even game sports. You look at the tools we're using for strength and conditioning and you think about how we evolved from... Let's let's go right back to a million years back from from whatever we were then to in until about sixty seventy years ago, everything we lifted was inside, so that the weight was contained in its center of mass. You now look at strength and conditioning, and the center of mass is on the side of the barbell, and it's pulling us down into external torque the whole time, and it's going against what should be fundamental. Um, fundamental human patterns which is why you see shoulders jacking up when people press overhead and it's why you see massive traps in a lot of athletes and um like just part of it anyway um but that is something needs to change when you start looking at what we're evolved to do not what we want to do and what's uh, it's very easy to deadlift a lot of weight on a bar because it's been designed to lift a lot of weight you, you try doing that with a stone and it's a completely different game. You just try doing it on the sandbag, and like, then we start to move. And what's funny is, well, it's not funny, it's not at all surprising, um, is that give someone a sandbag, and I've never seen someone squat a front, um, front squat a sandbag poorly, because you can't. As soon as you do, you just drop the sandbag, um, because the weight is in with your center of mass. It's tight, it's... It's um, you're creating the correct torque patterns and you have to move through your correct torque. Whereas you give someone a barbell and they can do whatever they want with it and they can drive their knees forwards and they can collapse and they can go into too much external torque. They can abduct the hip, everything can go wrong. They can flex and extend through the spine. Whereas you give them something like a sandbag and they hold it, they squat perfectly every time. I've never seen anyone squat badly with a sandbag. So wouldn't the fitness industry be better across the board to in some cases I probably won't go as far as say bodybuilding gyms but um, the ones who don't have proper technique maybe in implementing some sort of strongman type equipment in their gym gyms yeah I think a lot of people would um, yeah no, it, most people would, would do a very good job but also most people would get like better results from going swimming once a week or by just getting out and walking or by playing with the kids more often or like it's it's not just limited to strongman technique and to bring it back to to the mindset side it it comes back to what you want out of training because and who do you want to be because if your goal is to win the crossfit games you're going to have to spend a lot of time doing workouts like fran and um and like and heavy clean and jerks and you're going to have to spend a lot of time with the barbell which has been disproved a bit with the with the regionals this year because there's a lot of dumbbell work and sandbag work and there were no barbells in regionals um but it comes back to who do you want to be and if if you're if your answer isn't to be the best as given sport, which is a very unhealthy practice, then it, it makes sense to look at as many different disciplines as you can and take different 
elements from that as much as possible. Like the biggest thing that inc- improved my mobility, my coordination, my anaerobic threshold, um, my calm under pressure, um, the biggest thing was no way related to CrossFit. It was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. When I started that, I became a more functional human being in terms of my mindset, in terms of the way I moved, in terms of the torque I created, in terms of the amount of fun I had when I'm training. And that's like, that's something like another thing that I'll probably have to refrain myself from ranting about, but you look at a champ's mindset model and the very top of it, the thing that is common from everyone who does very well for an extended period of time, they want to have fun. And as soon as they lose lose the fun from training, they don't win. It's as simple as that. But like you said, it's it's well, that fun aspect. It comes back to childhood. It's it's having that enjoyment to do what you do, of what you're doing. Sorry, and I think they don't. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have some children that are out to win, but I think you do like to get one over on somebody else anyway. But. That's a different story, but I think, like you were saying, once you you lose that enjoyment from something that you're doing, it's no longer, to some extent, worth worth doing because it becomes oh, how would I put it um, a challenge. A challenge. It's just another stressor in your life, really. And and in most cases, a lot of people use training to de-stress uh get some enjoyment in that that moment in time and and kind of things like that so if you you kind of lose what your your why in an essence you're just making it your day probably a little bit mundane to a certain extent it's it's never a new circle you've once you've learned lost that enjoyment I, I love that dude i love that you're you're 100 right and it's it's about truly understanding who you want to be it's um my um yeah let's let's go this late it's so underrated knowing who you want to be it's so like the the biggest change i have with the athletes and coaches i work with is helping them discover who they want to be and they know it they know it and it just it takes some time thinking about it or it takes a couple of glasses of wine by yourself or it takes some quiet time or it takes going into a float tank to kind of to, to separate yourself or it takes maybe a weekend away from your kids or um, a weekend away from your job just to go okay I've got perspective this is what I want for my life and once you start to see that like we know it when we're on holiday we, we get outside of our familiarity um, or a familiar zone and we start to think this is the person I am. When I get back, I'm going to do all this stuff. When I get back, and for that that moment, we need to capsulate that moment and say, "This is who I'm going to be from now. This is the action that I'm going to take." And we need to remind ourselves because if you start reminding yourself of that um, of that vision of the person that you want to be, you start taking action on it. And that is that that constant top of the mind awareness and re- repeated. Um, it's almost like you're brainwashing yourself to believe what you want to believe, but the thing that you're believing is a positive. So you start putting that in front of you, like this is how I'm going to be in two, three years time. 
this is the person I'm going to be. And you keep digging away at that. And eventually you, you come up with some real gold and you, you find you let it evolve and you let it shift and you scribble bits out and you bring new things in and you like start to think about how it all involves in each other. And I tell you what, all of a sudden you're there. Well, I think it comes back to being, well, as trainers, we use that word accountability, but it's kind of using being accountable to yourself and kind of, not using that negative um, wording. Uh, it's putting a positive spin on things and kind of like you're saying, it's you want to look at what you want to be. So if you kind of hold yourself accountable each day, you're kind of getting that much closer to where you want to be at the end of that path. Yeah. And if you spend every single day, with no direction then of course you're not going to get where you want to be like if you're not like a, a big part of a big part of like my my vision of who i want to be is being like the phrase an autodidact that basically is a really fancy annoying way uh, that like people like me who crave significance use of, of saying that i want to learn for myself and i want to educate myself to a ridiculously high level but without without going through university systems, without the, the typical institutionalized way of going through it. Um, or, um, so I take action every single day to watch Ted talks, to read textbooks about stuff that I don't know about, to explore different views that I don't want to, that I, that, that oppose what I think. Um, and to kind of, to, to develop that. So if I, if I wasn't going to take consistent action on that on a daily basis, if I wasn't going to remind myself of, well, sorry, let me start that again. If I wasn't going to remind myself of that end goal, that, that person I want to be in a few years, I wasn't going to keep on bringing that to the top of my mind. I wouldn't get that. And it's the same with our nutrition and it's the same with our training and it's the same with our mindset. and It's the same with our recovery. If we, if we stop, if we don't put the person we want to be in front of our mind over and over again, we won't get there and we're not manifesting it by writing out. We're not, getting there through some wizardry we're just simply it's like a heat seeking missile you put the the way a heat seeking missile works is you select its location or its destination sorry and it knows its location obviously and you fire it and it remembers where that end goal is and it recorrects itself by hit like seeking negative uh, feedback so it finds where it's going wrong and it looks for those edges it looks for those opportunities and it hits its target not because you just fired it aimlessly it's because you gave it a precise outcome and you said I'm getting here and you looked and it looked for those edges it looked for those edges it, it, um, the operating system found those edges and eventually hit its target it wasn't like it wasn't mystical or it didn't happen by wizardry despite it appearing so from the outside world it happened from finding negative re- uh, negative feedback sorry i think that's a good analogy to use that tom uh, but then kind of the easier way of probably putting things is if, if reflection i can't think reflecting and i can't think the other word off the top of my head but it's kind of an- analyzing things as it go as you go along to a certain extent and learning from certain things that you do, be it negative or positive and learning from a not probably delving too deeply in things and overanalyzing things at times and, and, and thus being able to obviously stay in a good state of mind and being able to go on that, that path to 
getting where you want to at the end of and having a good a good mental ap- approach to things. But I think from my outlook on things, I, I think society is probably at times going away from that because people are, well, I'm going to, I'll probably say we'll generalize a little bit here, but people are very much um, sheep to a certain extent. They follow, they follow the tide at times and, and only take things as factual or it'll be a headline in a publication and they'll read that and think that as fact. And it might be a headline to stir up argument, but then if you actually read the actual whole article, it would put it into some context. And some people are very quickly to jump to assumptions in some cases because uh, we are very much in this day and age, um, how would I put it? what you want things very, very quickly, quite quite short attention span. So, oh, I'll get this information as quickly as possible. And I, I might take, you might take it out of context. It's the shortest path to certainty and the easiest path to certainty. So, like we spoke about significance, but another big human driver um, is certainty. Those are the big two I find in the nutrition world. It's, um, or sorry, the nutrition world, they're, the CrossFit and functional world is significance and certainty. People want to feel certain they're going to get what they are going to get where they want to be, and they want to feel certain that what they know is true. And if they only read the headlines, they don't have to worry about the opposing argument or the the rest of what's going on in there. And if they if they don't develop curiosity and look deeper into an issue, then they're never going to truly find out what they think for themselves. And it's very easy. And I'm like. It's, it sounds like I'm saying that I never did this. I, this was me. That's the only reason I know it is because I spent so much time only reading headlines going, I'm just taking that and that's like what I believe now. But you have to start questioning what you actually believe and making your own mind up because that's when we start to make progress. I think it's a big one, especially in nutrition, because uh, the news obviously wants to be able to sell things, be it newspapers, the news on television, maybe not so much because it's gonna it's virtually got access to it 24 hours a day now. So it's, there's no such thing really as a headline that is concerned. But I think it's because they want to be able to sell something. If you have a snappy headline or it's very controversial, okay, that's that's uh, piped up my interest. So what, what's this about? And you well, therefore will read it. But then if, like you were saying, if you don't, read it and take it into context and obviously go deeper into it, you're going to think, um, well, the ones that bring to mind recently would have been salt and sugar, obviously getting bashed in, in, in the media because it's stuff is too high in ingredients. But what they don't tell people is what actual unit they're measuring. Cause I think the one that springs to mind off the top of my head would have been soup. They said this has obviously got more, more. What would have been, I think, salt than you recommend daily allowance. Yeah, but is that person going to consume what quantity of that the soup? So it's kind of, I think, if you didn't obviously delve into into that greater detail as okay, well, you can eat it in different quantities, and thus you're going to have a different amount of uh, salt intake. 
I think most people think is factual. Okay, if I eat half the can of soup, I'm going to be over my daily allowance. But then it's it kind of opens a can of worms in itself because, well, okay, it might be high in salt, but what are the other nutrients and vitamins that you're going to get with it? So it's kind of a catch-22 and a balancing act. I kind of do with my clients. It's like, well, you've got all these red flags with certain products. Okay, if you don't go down, if it's too processed and obviously the stuff with um, hydrogenated oil and things like that off the list. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having it as and when, you know, like 20% of your diet and the rest of the 80% of your time is spent in, in well, what could turn, like, you know, clean eating and, and the like. Uh, it's not that bad for you. Okay, it's, it's taking things into, into context and things like that. Um, I read a post by one of my tutors, uh, Declan Doyle, on his Facebook, or it been a couple of weeks ago, with what's slimming world and you know the likes of those type of things kind of use those vilifying words as oh you shouldn't have um what words they kind of use um you know like demonizing stuff that's bad for you and it kind of messages your head and saying oh you should only have stuff that's in on the good list and such as such but i was chatting to somebody with it over the weekend and saying, well, you can put it into context a different way. If you eat too much of a good thing, it's still not healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And it all comes down to perspective and, and being curious about your, um, being curious about what is actually right and what's wrong. But I think a lot of times people aren't willing to probably delve into that greater detail, but because I think we are very much a society now that wants everything now, now, now. Some people aren't willing to take the time to maybe read into it. Okay, I can understand not spending hours in a supermarket reading the back of every label. Okay, that's probably very eccentrical way of thinking that. And what most most people in Britain probably don't know is that the traffic light system is rep- representative to what an average woman should be eating. So it's not even conducive to a man. Mm. Yeah, like, but it comes back again to looking at, like, it doesn't take a long time to learn the key points and the key principles. Like, that's, that's the thing. It, like, we could rattle off now, eat more vegetables, like, eat like a palm-sized piece of protein, and like hydrate properly and that for if 60% of people stuck to that diet they'd improve their nutrition if they just did that they'd improve their nutrition so we need to start getting like we need as as leaders in in the health and fitness world and the the crossfit world we need to start saying these are the principles we should adhere to and instead of arguing over the minutiae of, of how much zinc and sodium you should have in your diet, we should say, look, follow this, eat some real food, and you're going to get 80% of the way there. And like, if you're working with high-end athletes, obviously that doesn't matter because you're going, you're going to be working on more finite basis and uh, more precise basis. But who are you working with? Like, and 
if that's and the key there then is to focus on principles and the principles don't take long to learn and if we could get people with the principles if we get them like a lot of people do understand the principles if we get them principle like teaching principles the mindset stuff then we're ridiculously far ahead but i think tom i think it is the difficult one is i think people perceive it as their difficulty may lie with fitness and nutrition but it's actually how they perceive the mental aspect of what those things yeah and all that requires is better coaching it's our responsibility as coaches to say okay you you believe this you believe that um here's some other ways of thinking about it here's a new perspective and not assuming people aren't going to learn and not assuming people are always going to be stuck in a certain way and giving them the tools to to come out the other side. That's what's more important. I think that's probably, I think that's probably a good way of looking at things. I think it's, you'll probably operate in the same light as I do and you kind of put the onus on it's kind of a two way street or it's kind of a give and take relationship or I'll teach you how to better understand your mental side of how you look at food and how you perceive fitness because you're not as knowledgeable as me, but thus you becoming accountable to me, you are there, you are able to thus, thus learn and kind of get better knowledge of yourself as to how to implement those things for yourself in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. We teach people principles and it comes down to knowing what people respond with and listening to them and, and looking at them and saying, or understanding them and listening to the, the key bits of language they use and saying, okay, this type of person, they respond best to very precise um, instructions. And this type of person, they respond very well to broad sweeping statements. And this type of person, like you can see all the, and this type of person likes a blend of it. And then, then we start to apply the correct knowledge because if we just coach people in one way, if we just say, this is who I am, so I'm only providing this service, then we're only going to succeed with 10% of our athletes, 20% of our athletes on a, on a deep, meaningful level that lasts long. Um, last a long time but if you tailor it to them and you become a better coach and you communicate with people better and you understand mindset more and you teach them more about mindset then we start to take steps forwards but in terms of like the cross fit world and we kind of delve a little bit deeper into the, the man, like the mindset what kind of coaching do you apply to them because obviously you've got your oh I forget this right now visual auditory and what is the last one? Kinesthetic. Yeah. How would you go about, obviously, from an online perspective, being able to get some of that across? Because obviously two of them are not difficult. Yeah. Um, so it depends on the athlete. It's knowing mindset models. It's, it's knowing what you're trying to get out of it. I'm not teaching people how to snatch, so I don't have to worry about some elements of it. I'm teaching people to simply get a handle on their thoughts. And from that point, start developing them into more helpful taglines or mottos for their life. Um, and that we can do in a variety of different ways. So 
it comes down to understanding your athletes. And that's, I think that's the biggest difference between what I do and what some other people in the industry do. The biggest one is, let's take meditation, for example. If we've got an athlete who is on the very far end of the positivity, positivity spectrum and they want to be at their goal now they know exactly where they want to go but and they're like 100 percent energy and they want to be there now and they're like a puppy dog and they constantly want to be there they're just like they know it's so deeply and they're like bam 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 but they avoid the hard work and they don't even realize they're avoiding the hard work or what they find difficult or their 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 negative areas and we give them meditation then it's likely to be a really good fit for them because it takes some time to step back or some form of silence. So if we give them like a 15 minute walk without, um, without headphones, it's going to be great because it gives them some silence. It gives some reflection. It gives them perspective. But if we have an athlete who is on the other end of the spectrum, who is feels that they're stuck in a hole and they can't get out and everything feels awful to them and they they just like feel like they're always going to be in this place and it's fine for everyone else but not for them and so you give them information and they intellectualize it but never internalize it and you give them meditation how do you think they're going to feel or we take that even further we have a depressed athlete who we give meditation and i'm going to say spend 25 to 30 minutes thinking and they're going to feel awful by the end of it so it comes down to knowing where we are start like it's exactly the same as in program we look at and like you're aware of the phrase if we're not assessing we're guessing yeah mm. yeah so since when was it all right to not assess in mindset if we do one if we do um training we'll look at one at maxes we'll look at current performance we'll look at current goals we'll look at their history of training we'll look at like, exactly where they are now look at how many days a week they're training we look at exactly where they are now and from there build out that and some people in mindset, they go, this is what I did, so this is what you're doing. Well, it's, it, that's, that analogy may work 50% of the time, but for the other 50%, it won't work. In what way, sorry? Um, well, if you, if you say to somebody, oh, this worked for me, it should work for you. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Be, uh, in most cases, that's a massive assumption. Because it's like, well, it could it could be even worse than that. It might not even work at all. And like you yeah. said, it's um, it puts them in a worse position than they already are are in. Yeah, and that's where it takes again. It comes back to that curiosity, like digging deeper, finding out who they want to be, and finding out who you are, and finding out more about the subjects. And you you don't get that from a weekend certification. You get that from a lifetime of applying. Well, I think it's it's looking at things. Uh, from a maybe a scientific approach type way and analyzing things I think some people are probably better at it than others because well you could probably turn them quite nosy individuals because oh what's so and so doing but that's that is a form of analyzing because you're you're I won't say intrigued but you're that that person is um, what, how would they say it? Um, picture interest. Okay, what what's so and so doing? Why are they doing that? And that's probably an example that you could probably it's probably an extreme one, but as to you are anal- analyzing the environment that's around you. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Oh, perfect. 
So last question, Tom, before we wrap the episode up. If you had to summarize this uh, episode into one sentence, what would that be? God, that's a, that's a good question. Um, it would be something along the lines of find out who you really want to be and get curious. I think that's, that's, I think that's the best answer today I've heard yes. to that question. I win. What do I win? Well, it's, it's, I think it's, that question is probably a good one to ask guests because it puts you on the spot to a certain extent. And you yeah. kind of got to think there and then, oh, well, how can I, how can I best answer this question? And somebody be able to get something from that. So it's, I love that dude. I might steal it from my podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's not technically stealing though, is it? It's, it's implementing, oh, where's the word I want to use for it? Um, where did I see that? You're adapting it, aren't you? It's, it's, if, it's some, if it's something works, it breaks. You, you just adapt it to, to suit the mold, don't you, to the extent. And it's, it, it's helping people. It's, it's a little bit human because you can see. I've, I've kind of, well, most cases I've caught the guest out because they're thinking, okay, what's this <laughs> No, I like it. That's it's a good. bit cheeky, James, but I, I, I've had, I've had, it was, I think it was worded, I think I've pinched it slightly and modified it from uh, the podcast I was on, was it the mind side, and it was asked a similar thinking. Oh. But then you think, when it's, be, after it's been recorded and you've listened to it, oh, I could have answered it this way because it's been recorded, so I could always edit it, but I think it brings a sense of realness that you don't play around with the audio at times and, and thus the person is able to kind of get a real essence as of the person, okay, they've been caught off guard. Um, you kind of get, you lose your train of thought at times as well. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It focuses you. So... Once again, Tom, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure, man. If you wanted some bonus content, I have now set up a Facebook group where you can interact with both the guests and I. The name of this so-called group is Mindset Game. So why not come over and check it out for yourself? And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review in iTunes as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.